Hello, I'm Katie Manning and you're very lucky because you're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Enjoy! Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 482 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we know we shouldn't mess with it. We have told others not to mess with it. We've seen what's going to happen if we mess with it. Yep, we're going to mess with it. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. I'm Julie. And I'm Kier. This week, the Sarah Jane adventure spins back to our title character's past, again, her origin story this time, you might say, in The Temptation of Sarah Jane Smith. A space-time rift appears that just happens to lead to Sarah Jane's hometown in the year her parents died. Tempted to see them just once before their fatal car crash, she and Luke travel back to 1951 and find them with her infant self. But behind all this is the trickster, hoping that Sarah Jane will be further tempted, as she does, to alter the timeline to save them. The results lead to a present-day catastrophe. And with Clyde and Ronnie working from the present to find out what went wrong in the now unfamiliar past, it leads to a most difficult decision by the Smiths to put the timeline right and let her parents go. If we get in the car and drive away right now, then that's the end of that thing under the arch. I know I'm right. No, you can't. You mustn't go. We've got to. But not Sarah Jane. Not our baby. Take her. Look after her. This is why they left that day. They didn't abandon you, Mum. They saved you. One thing, though, it's important. Sarah Jane, our baby, is... Is she safe? Does she have a good life? Yes. So many incredible things, that things you wouldn't believe. Oh, God got you though haven't we like he worked any of it out i said didn't i i don't understand it but sometimes the heart knows things the mind can't explain (laughs) these episodes really hammer on the topics of family loss abandonment sacrifice regret and more As we're near the close of the second season, is there a rationale for why we've been getting such intensely emotional stories lately? I feel like at some point you earn the right to do those things, and they've put the groundwork in for all of the characters to come together. And especially for Sarah Jane, she started to really care for Luke, all the kids, everything that she's doing. She clearly cares for humans in general, so putting her in this position and forcing her to choose. It's her train paradox where she has to pick between the world and her family. So I I think that they've earned it from that perspective. 
it just it just seems unusual that they're uh we came off the heels of of another story that was you know one of these kind of heartstring smashes and and another one right before that too it it seems like they've been intensifying um yeah we definitely i i agree we've we've earned the the right to or we (laughs) we as the audience and creators of this program um we've been there watching it we're involved yeah yeah. We, we we back them have really gotten us invested in their relationships they've now we've now sort of gone all the way around the dial for all of the kids to really understand their you know parental connection seems to become one of the really recurring themes ever since the, the first series but now it's time to sort of bring it home with sarah jane as well and it really really humanizing is not the right term but it's 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 a side of her that we didn't expect to see really really laid bare and really vulnerable in that regard literally vulnerable uh, in that regard it's a really mature path for a for a youth-oriented program well i mean the the other thing is like kids show doesn't always have to mean happy-go-lucky kids have emotions too and they face loss more often than we want to think about so having these kind of things in there does make sense. And that's kind of one of the interesting thing about a kid's program is it gets to mature as the audience starts to grow up with it. It kind of gets to help raise the kids uh, by introducing, you know, more mature storylines as the show goes on. So this story takes the idea of uh, a fixed point in time, which Luke actually like says at one point, and it kind of combines it with something very akin to a, a causal loop. So, are we still making a show for a, a young sci-fi audience here? I guess going along with uh, with meeting them uh, on, an, on an even ground with emotional content, it's also sort of preparing them for more mature sci-fi <laughs> in, in a way, or, uh, or, or at least, because it doesn't go so far as like bringing up paradoxes and things mm-hmm. of that sort, but it dances right around it uh, and shows us, oh, look, Global disaster. Well, no one ever told her to watch the baby and then she had to pick it up or anything. So for sure could have been. Like, Here, hold my baby. Ah. And there there have been plenty of times with Doctor Who proper that they they throw things out and frequently it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, no, they're just throwing out technical mumbo jumbo and we're just fine. Hand wave the, the, the spacey talk and then move on. And it, Honestly, this can be one of those things that for younger audiences where if they don't understand it, it's very easy to just be like, okay, time travel stuff. Sure. Moving on. But I do think it was a simple enough concept in the way it was laid out that it did play well, I would imagine, for a younger audience. So there wasn't a lot of complexity. It was a literal object they could see making the time rift it wasn't just something nebulous although it, i mean it was wibbly wobbly in the screen but it was <laughs> like there and there was a device making it happen and yeah. then there were choices made as to whether or not to go so that makes it a little bit more understandable i i would think from a kid's perspective mm. but and and giving uh, Ronnie's mom the the block of exposition to really kind of explain everything out probably helps too. 
Sarah Jane's decision evolving into the legend of the trickster, as Jay just kind of mentioned, uh, the emergence was particularly fascinating, putting all the guilt on our title character, but also underscoring her importance along the way. Does that resonate with the rest of us? I think taking your point to what Jay had just said about the the idea of conveying the the repercussions to an audience without relying on technical jargon, putting it into a story form, you know, this idea of this legend created. And you and I were talking offline, uh, you were mentioning the the legend working sort of in both ways. The, 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 the incomplete story of what had happened to her parents being what drew her back. And then the crafted story of, what results or, or, or of what 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 ends up getting altered in the past and the way that's viewed present day disastrous present day and you had a, a really interesting point on how those two things were sort of uh, uh, pointing at one another but this goes back to storytelling i think it's a it's a it's a matter of taking complicated material or material that r- with a with a slightly heavier hand could be Doctor Who main range plot points and giving it something that a 10 to 14 audience can can not only comprehend but can empathize with the really tough decisions the 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 idea the the, the repercussions of actions I, it's a it's a just a, a storytelling style that I think works really well for the audience that it's intended to uh, to resonate with. For me, it was also about the nature of the legend that had been passed down through all those years being the solution as well. So it was the thing that Ronnie was able to take back in time to solve it. It's almost like a nursery rhyme that tells you the answer to... Mm. certain things from an era so it definitely just kind of created that loop and solidified the cause and effect over and over again right story the problem being the solution and the solution being the root of the problem right i mean we've we've got a bootstrap paradox here is what we've got but yeah it the the legend kind of helps to uh to cover that up and be like well this is the story that that it is and it's really gives you a through line to follow through as well. So it's, it worked really well for, for what it was intended to do. It was, it was the most elegant solution. The one thing that sort of cuts through all this is, is the trickster as this recurring villain. Um, the, for all of his creep factor, which is at a, you know, a double digit territory here, um, is pretty inspired as far as villains go. Um, but we're still, uh, we as, as sort of more expansive uh, Who watchers uh, writ large, we've also got that connection to the to the main series because you've got the mention of the Trickster's Brigade that comes up uh, in season three, four, um, which is, it's, it's the altered timelines that lead to turn left. When you see the the beetle on on Donna's back, mm-hmm. that apparently gets identified as part of the Trickster's Brigade. So, this is something that that um, Davies was really working through um, on a larger scope. So, 
it leaves me kind of wondering which is worse. You know, you've got a villain who's out there manipulating and screwing with the flow of time, like the master stepping in and altering things to make things go wrong. Or you've got one like this who tricks others into making those changes for them and gets to revel in the disaster. Having having a, a singular villain really gives the the hero a a point to to focus on to resolve the problem. Where someone with the trickster, it's like, yeah, you've you've got your your singular villain, but you never know where the point of attack is going to come from because they can trick literally anyone. So it's it's a very kind of unpredictable thing. Yeah, instead of having one person that you have to stop, you have an unknown number of uh, wild cards out there that could be affecting things. And as Sarah Jane continued to ask, ask herself over and over, is this a trick or is it not? Is this something I should be concerned with or this is okay? Coincidence or not? It's that age-old question. Mm-hmm. But do also be warned, if you make a cosplay, I will burn it. <laughs> I was just I was just looking at the dental fixtures thinking, I could do that. If I could just get the mouthpiece, I could do the whole mask. I started mm. to see the look on his face and I was like, no, no, you are not allowed. <laughs> it could be done. I think I think we've seen a trickster at Galley before. I want to say we have. Once, and then it got burned. Oh, oh yeah. The, <laughs> it was not me. If there were any accidents, I... <laughs> They're now buried. Fires start all the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that new pool foundation got poured. It's just convenient that it ha- happened right now. <laughs> well, I almost felt, again, th- this was, I think this happened during the last series. This felt almost like this was supposed to be the, the, the season closer. Mm-hmm. I would not have been surprised... But then the credits rolled and it showed the next up. And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. right. I, had to, I had to dive for the remote really quickly so we didn't get spoiled on yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I definitely had to double check and make sure that it wasn't uh, the last one. But yeah, it, it definitely <laughs> had that kind of feeling, that that kind of gravitas that you would expect. Mm-hmm. And it filled in a, a little bit too. It sort of it, it, it smoothed some of the still rough spots we had with Ronnie and her family. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas is uh, Lucas is sort of reassured the whole you know the, the really driving home the the I'm so glad I've got you as my mom thing so that's right. that's rock solid. Clyde got pretty well taken care of during the Berserker uh, uh, story arc, so you know even though his dad's a still a, a complete bonehead, um, he's solid with his mom. Clyde so, also yeah. got the the kiss from Ronnie on the cheek, which you know. Oh yeah, that's true. He should be a hero more often. Yeah, he also got he. he, he not only did Clyde get a kiss from Ronnie, he also got this nice warm hug from uh, from the little grackle gracky, the little guy here as they were uh, uh, booping back to uh, to present day. So that was a nice moment. They 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 could be besties, right? I don't. I wouldn't call it a hug. They grasped each other tightly. <laughs> that's a hug. Head cannon. There's a whole series where there's a bromance going on between the two of them. It's <laughs> Yeah. You don't know all the adventures they had before they arrived back in the Resolve timeline. Oh, that I would watch, just the two of those. <laughs> yep. Especially now that we saw that little character, too, become a little more uh, – have a little more depth. Yeah. Yeah. So Less of just, a, just this... a little gremlin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had his Dobby Free Elf moment. His weird run, and then all of a sudden he's – Oh, he actually has feelings and thoughts, and he's going to speak to us. Yeah, it, was, it got dark there for a second. Like he was going down with the ship, kind of thing. And right. Yeah. It just, ooh, 
once again, yeah. playing a very dark card in this Sarah Jane game. Have we seen the last of him? Of the... Do you think? Like, is is the, that the end of him, or would you see him come back? Him or the trickster? Well, the trickster's a forever, right? But I'm saying the little... what Was he... I don't you know. said he was a Grack? I, I, the name always falls right out of Glass? I just, I, yeah. I just, G-Man? Call, the, the goblin. The, go, the, the <laughs> goblin who wasn't really a goblin. There you go. I, I could see him coming back as part of a larger story, but I wouldn't put... I wouldn't put a quarter on it, no. Be nice to have a little cameo. He's just walking by in some space station somewhere. <laughs> he comes back in the, like the the final episode of the series, and it's like he's yeah he's the Deus Ex Machina. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's now funding all of these adventures somehow. <laughs> I learned all my secrets from the trickster before he got bamfed into oblivion. So yeah. now I've got the keys. Mm-hmm. Nice, but he uses them for a little bit of good. But not real, real good. <laughs> and mostly just really flamboyant outfits. <laughs> all in all, I mean, just a, a solid addition to the series. And I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see where we go in season well, three. Yeah, series we'll three. Wrap up this one. but I mean, we, we've got a little bit for there. Yeah. Yeah. Still no disappointments. We, no. we haven't really had a dud at all. Yeah. No. Sarah Jane's no dud. No dud. No dud at all. There's so much news. <laughs> we here stateside have always uh, been, or well, uh, always, uh, have been uh, most recently relying on uh, streaming service HBO Max uh, for for our access to the Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, but oddly enough, there hadn't been a, a streaming solution f- for home territory. So the UK had been without um, for, for regional streaming until now, because I think it was just like within the day yeah, I saw the announcement earlier today that the the BBC iPlayer now has the entirety of the Sarah Jane Adventures available. Right. So, so if you've just been listening to us talk about them, go catch up. You've got a couple more weeks and then you'll yeah. be ready for the next time we watch. And if you've been skipping over all these rewatches, there's no way for us to tell you because we're talking about it during one of those episodes. <laughs> that's one of those rewatches that you're not listening to. Ah, you might hear this news item again. Yeah, we'll mention it again <laughs> next time too. And again and again and again. Because it's worth it. Because the series is really freaking good. As previously mentioned on this cast. Yes, like five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> well, we also have some news about some of the, the specials we've got coming up next year, which uh, we've speculated on a little bit. But we yeah. now have confirmation that there will be three specials with the 14th Doctor uh, before the 15th Doctor takes over in the festive season. Yeah, the the um, nebulous festive season. What what season? I don't know. The one that the holiday. What <laughs> holiday? You know the one that yeah. happens. Oh yeah, the one with the thing where you uh, do the stuff. It's kind of cold out. That that one. <laughs> yeah, this was one more in some countries <laughs> on one half the world. Yeah, you keep you keep it fuzzy and nobody gets offended. They still get offended. Um, but this was one last little detail to fall out of the um, the Russell D. Davies interview in Doctor Who magazine, actually. So it was uh, it had sort of buried under all the other stuff that he was throwing out there because when he uh, – it was like the, was it the, the old E.F. Hutton ads from the 80s and stuff when E.F. Hutton talks, everyone listens, and it was in this investment company. But when Russell D. Davies talks, 
please listen, because he's actually going to give you information, unlike Christopher Chibnall. Shade thrown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we know now that we're getting four specials, three Tenet, one Gatwa. What I like is that we also know that those three specials are coming in November, which makes me think we're going to get three in one week, and it'll be like back-to-back days. Or it's going to be the like three weeks of November. That would be wild. I don't know how that would work for broadcasting to to take the um, to take three consecutive days. I don't know. That sounds like a scheduling nightmare for people to try to the, the, like viewership. You you want to make this a destination spot on the schedule? Uh, I don't know. I can see three consecutive Sundays. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking is it's probably going to be three weeks um, just because, yeah, you do you want to draw people back because a lot of the audience has fallen off and you don't want to you don't want to throw it all out there and then have everyone realize a week later, like, oh, wait, there were three things I missed. And no, you drop the first one. And then by the time the second one's coming, people have heard and they're coming back. So, yeah. I don't think they're going to have any trouble with viewership for Tate returning True. for a few weeks. Um, I, I'm surprised. Well, no, I, I was going to say I'm surprised that we don't have a little bit more specifics on this, but we're talking about a program that gave us our finale air date like two weeks before the air date. So well, and we're also talking I, about this a year in advance. So, yep. Exactly. Times are a changing. <laughs> yeah. So now I want more. Don't give me that inch. I want a mile. Give this mouse a cookie. So I I would agree. I think there are typically like four weekends in November, unless you catch a weird curve of the first Saturday being the first day or something like that. So hmm. I feel like you could do either the first three or the last three and then run straight over into that little bit of a break and then holiday, whatever. Well, you'd want it to to align itself as best you can with Dr. Who Day proper. Exactly. Yeah. On the 23rd. So I'm not sure. I'm sure one of us is probably popping up a calendar of, I I did that. Yeah. Well, so how does it look? The 23rd is Is a Thursday. The fourth Thursday, which is a day in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. So it, Hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but thankfully we we know that we're not going to have to wait until like November 15th before we know. So <laughs> it's true. That's true. Other things that we know, speaking of 15, um, we have the, the biggest thing that, that dropped in, in Doctor Who news over the course of the past week was the fact that we have had the uh, announcement of who our first companion for the 15th Doctor is going to be. They made a bigger fanfare over this because releasing it during the Children in Need special and all the fanfare and the and the press releases and stuff than they did over Shooty's announcement, which was just a tweet that went ballistic. Mm-hmm. I feel like Shooty's announcement was professional and this one is hype. Yeah. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. But we we welcome Millie Gibson to the TARDIS at age 18. So she was one when the show returned. Yep. She's been a fan for her whole life. Her whole life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was uh, another alumni of Coronation Street. So obviously between uh, between Corey and, um, uh, and EastEnders, that pretty much is where you grow actors, apparently. Um, that's that's their farm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of energy. Shooty's super excited to work with her. 
Um, and anybody that says that uh, that Ruby Sunday is just going to be another Rose Tyler because uh, the comments have been out there, need to understand that you can have two actors that have blonde hair. Hey, <laughs> amazing. What? Unacceptable. Yeah. Weird, mm-hmm. right? Not sure about well, that. Well, depending on how things play out, we may see more of her moving forward because apparently Davies is considering a bunch of new spinoffs for Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh, should we put our, our uh, uh, hang our, um, this came from the mirror sign <laughs> on the wall before we talk about this? I, right, this came from the mirror. <laughs> okay, but last time Davies was in charge of the franchise, there were spinoffs. We're talking about yes. one of them in this episode. <laughs> yes. And he's got mouse bucks behind right. him now. Yeah. So, so checks out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's he's spoken before about how he thought that Doctor Who was a a perfect IP for the kind of spinoffs that we've seen from Marvel. And now that we've got Doctor Who working with Disney Plus, there seems to be a lot more uh, oomph in that statement. Yeah. The only thing that leaves me a little puzzled about this particular uh, leak, rumor, what have you, uh, from this source that talked to the mirror is that they're talking about uh, a potential spinoffs that revolve around the villains, which seems unusual because it's uh, how compelling can it be uh, and, and be of the scope? Scope that you would want from a from a full Disney take Disney Plus series or something like that. What if it was more like the Star Wars one where you got some of those different animation style snippets of little lifetimes of different ones? I feel like that would make a lot of sense for mm. a villain type spinoff. They did or have been, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they had for a little while been doing the Daleks exclamation point YouTube series animated. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. Some episodes, the animation style really, I, I couldn't watch it. It's, it was like watching the the um, Money for Nothing video from Dire Straits back in the early 80s or whatever. But, but because they made a choice, an artistic choice. I just didn't jive with it. But the only real sort of overarching criticism that that series got was that it was sort of, sort of too small in scope. Mm. And only that's Daleks I'm, on one ship. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's like Deep Space Dalek 9 or something. Um, but we've done the what happens when the doctor's away. Mm-hmm. We've done, you know, um, think about the kids. We've done, well, two versions of think about the kids because we had class also. True. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about class. Class wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. Can we get a two-hour special to wrap that up? This, yes. <laughs> Maybe. Start know. the petition. Somebody ring up Patrick Ness. Oh, actually, it, well, no. Ness. But I would. He's angry. I think that I would watch a let's follow around a Dalek for a day. And then, like, what's the day in a life of a Cyberman? Let's get let's get a slice uh, of life comedy with, with the Daleks yeah. and the Cybermen. Oh, I, I want to see him, like, Just, going around a warehouse and getting stuck on a zip tie. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, how do they queue up for lunch or dinner? Or, like, where do they eat? What what feeds them? Those are the things that I want. The Dalek They're, lunch lady. <laughs> yeah. oh. All right. The the villains and stuff aside, I I agree that the Doctor Who universe is full of compelling stories that we don't get to. I mean, just look at look at 
big finish. You know, there's sure. all kinds of things that you could dive into that could make compelling series. So I'm, I hope this turns out to be more than just rumor and conjecture, but for the time being, I'm going to keep my quarter firmly in my pocket. Yeah. How many times have we jokingly, but almost seriously said, Hey, I'd watch that on right. this podcast here. Just and then saying, they give that to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're holding out for like a little vignette thing where it's like this little anthology of, of stories. I would not bet money on it, but yes, I would believe that that could be something that would work well to give a little bit of insight into other things going on in the Hooniverse. You know what format would work really well for that? Webisodes. Webisodes. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> I would see something where you'd get a couple of episodes um, that would revolve around some some machinations by one group or another. This is, you know, the Daleks not so masterful plan. This is the Cybermen's you know, invasion of, of this planet you've never heard of. And you see these things and you, and you follow the stories for those three or four installments. And then you start to see connective tissue between them. They're all working towards something. And that's where all of a sudden Russell says, oh, by the way, this all has relevance in episode 10 of series four. 14 or 15 mm -hmm. or so however far down the road he wants to throw it because he loves having that masterstroke where you say hashtag it's all connected i'm clever <laughs> oh remember torchwood came from that kind of thing too yeah and that was pretty spectacular mm-hmm We'll be coming back in a couple of weeks with our classic rewatch, The Resurrection of the Daleks. Yeah. This <laughs> is a good one. This, uh, that's all I'm going to say. This is a good one. All right. Well, this has been episode 482 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, you know, if you're, if you're a middle-aged person that has experience traveling through time and all the dangers that come with that, maybe don't look for validation from the 15-year-old, one-year-old that to, to make your horrible decisions. <laughs> wow, I never made that connection before. Thanks yeah, for pointing yeah. that out. I'm yep. never going to be able to see the story the same way again. <laughs> and this is Gear saying, okay, Ruby Sunday. I'm personally looking forward to the four regenerations that came oh, between God. Ruby Tuesday and Ruby Sunday. Now, now I have Please to Please get that taste out of our <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> this is Julie saying, Mr. Smith, I need tissues. <laughs> uh, and this is Haley saying is it the festive season yet we'll see you next time I'll see cheers bye thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio want to keep the conversation going you can find us on Twitter Facebook Instagram and YouTube or just send us a good old fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com you can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode.
Public Radio is copyright 2022. See you next week.